We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is June 16, 2022. Jonathan Osborne here, special co-host this week. From Orlando Magic Daily, Locked On Magic, Philip Rossman, Reich. Philip, how are you? I am doing good. As as you just said, June sixteenth, we're we're almost there, man. Almost there. I feel like everyone's itching to just just get this thing over with and get to summer league. I I agree with you. Uh, it's been you know roughly four weeks, four and a half weeks since the NBA draft lottery, and ever since then it's just like, okay. Now we're looking ahead to the draft, kind of waiting for that. The discourse right after the lottery was like, oh, this is great. Everything is so exciting. And now people are really set on who they want. Things are getting a little bit less pleasant on you know Twitter and, and, and Reddit and things like that. Everyone's excited for the pick. Everyone just wants what's best for the team, obviously. Philip, you released, recently released a piece just talking about how with this pick, the number one pick in the draft this season, the Magic are not only selecting the player that they want, but the team they want to be. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Before we get into that conversation, a couple of things that we have to cover Coming up next Thursday, June 23rd, before the draft party at Amway, we'll be hanging out at Harry Buffalo from 5 o'clock to 6.30. Just hanging out at Harry Buffalo, having a good time. And then about 6.30, we'll walk over to Amway, sit in section 106 at the draft party, and we will watch the first pick and potentially some second-round picks unfold. Who knows what's going to happen? But if you guys are free, if you're in the area that night before the draft party, be sure to come through Harry Buffalo you have not done so already download the Orlando Magic app and get your free draft party tickets they will not let you in the door without those we will leave you outside so please be sure to download the app secure your draft party tickets and just want to take a quick second to shout out our patrons those of you that help financially support the show we shout out you all every single episode and we're going to do that right now shout out Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Keith Garcia, Zico, Carson Tulo, Nathan Lynn, Ellis, Jonathan Borges, Norm L., Magic Player History, Julio, Bailey, Matt Lyman, Eric Segovia, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, Franz Goaded Fichot, Ryan Singh, Blake Bickerstaff, The Distract, your boy Dave J, Eric Randall, Pierre A, Wally Akbar, Eli, Migzors, Nostalgia, and M&Ms, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Joe Thomas, Stephen Walker, Lil Penny, O Magic 11, Eduardo Sanchez, BRBS Creative, Dan the Man, 
George Hoppy. Thank you guys so much. If you're interested in helping support the show financially, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. We have three awesome tiers that you can choose from with a number of benefits. And we really appreciate everyone that helps us do what we do. Thank you guys so much. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Philip, thank you for sitting through that, first of all. Uh, really appreciate that. No, thank, thank, thank those guys. Thank, th- thank those guys for, you know, that, that was a, a, you know, you said you were going to name off Patreon subscribers. I was like, oh, it'll be a few people, but that's an, impre- that's, that's an impressive list. And, and, you know, I was at the lottery party and, and, and what you guys helped organize there. Um, it, 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 this, this, this Magic family has, has always been really, really tight. I always think that Magic fans are, I, I think Magic fans are some of the best uh, in the NBA. Um, it's certainly, I think, one of the best kept secrets in the NBA. We've got a really passionate group. And, you know, yeah, the team needs to be better to really attract the kind of fans that, that, that we've seen in the past and, and, get the, and really work up the passion. Uh, but there, there is a, a big group of Magic fans that just love this team and love everything that this team is about. And, and we're all really obviously excited for, for the next week and, 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 and the years to come. Uh, so thanks to all those Patreon subscribers. You know, I'm sure y'all listen to my podcast too. The Six Man Show is a great podcast as well. And so just thank you guys for sticking with us through some lean years to get to this moment. Philip, you're making me blush, bro. First of all, I really appreciate the <laughs> kind words. And I think you're 100% right. I think Magic fans get a bad rep, like national media wise. You know, people are like, oh my gosh, like the Magic have fans. We absolutely freaking have fans. You know, fans that have, like you and myself, have been on Twitter, you know, since you know, 2012, 2013, somewhere around there, maybe even before. And you're right, it is really a, a pretty tight knit, close community. You might not know what everybody looks like in person, but if you say, oh, this is my Twitter handle, everybody knows who you are. And everybody is cross paths at one point or another. And that, that was really cool at the lottery party to kind of see that, um, you know, realize to, to see so many people that you've talked with online for years and years and years, but our time is coming. You know, we, we've been quiet. The team has largely been irrelevant for the last decade, but you know, if, if this year and what's coming up on June 23rd is any indication that is going to start to change here. Uh, so I wanted to talk come, again, come, Come, come Monday, come Monday at the, at the latest, uh, the magic will be the center of the NBA universe. 
Like once yes. once this NBA final series ends, everyone's looking at us. So you know it's it's gonna be it's gonna be gonna be fun week here. It's a little nerve wracking, you know. It's like obviously Jeff and John they want to get this pick right. The organization wants to get this pick right, but Magic fans like we desperately need to get this pick right. Not only for the you know the benefit and the success of the team on the floor. But just like instead of getting roasted for, you know, drafting Mo Bamba and, you know, people talk about, you know, the magic drafting Jonathan Isaac, which has obviously largely been due to his health. But to be, you know, ending being the butt of the jokes in NBA circles. So but Philip, let's talk about this article that you released uh, a couple of days ago. And I think you also talked about this on your podcast, Locked on Magic. Um, all of our listeners have heard of you, obviously. But if you haven't, please go check out Philip's you know, podcast and all his work at over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. But you talk about this idea of the Orlando Magic are not only picking a player in this draft, they're picking the kind of team that they want to be. So can you just elaborate on that and tell our listeners kind of what you mean by that? Yeah, uh, you know, typically, you know, A, this is still a rebuild. This is still a very early stage of, of a rebuild. And while I think there's a lot of players that that we all really like on this Orlando Magic team, and, and we should like and should be optimistic about, um, this is still a, uh, this is still very much an un- form mold of clay. We're still kind of shaping this team into what we we hope it can be and, and what we ultimately and what, you know, Jeff Jeff Waltman and John Hammond are obviously still shaping this team uh, into what they ultimately want it to be. Um typically when you get to uh, a number 1 pick, the the pick is obvious. You know, most most years there isn't much of a debate who the top guy in the draft is even in really good drafts. Like last year, Cade Cunningham was going number one. That was kind of preordained from January, if not sooner. You know, you, the the mat. You know, the Magic have had the number one pick. Shaq was going number one. There's no, there's no question about that. Um, you know, Chris Webber was going number one. Even though the Magic ended up trading down in that draft, they could not not take Chris Webber. They would have gotten. I mean, they got booed when they traded Chris Webber. Everyone kind of forgets forgets that part of the Penny story. Um, you know, the Dwight Howard and Mech Okafor draft, you were picking between two guys, but they were pretty much the same position, pretty much the same kind of idea. Um, in, in all those drafts, and in most drafts, the the draft kind of shapes your decision for you. Um, and, and especially for rebuilding teams, if they do get the chance to take, go number one, that player shapes the roster. It, it, it's not kind of the other way around. Um, you know, you could whether it's a weakness or a strength of this draft. This is not considered a super strong draft. You know, certainly it's not last year's draft. It's not next year's draft. If if you if you hear people talk about next year's draft, um, there's still three really good players. But it's really unique. I feel like to have a, a really a, a three player debate at the very very top of the draft. And while they all play a very similar position, uh, they are all very different players. Very different players in their style. Very different players in how you can use them. And so, you know, I think I think I talked with you guys after this, um, uh, after the lottery, when we knew the Magic had the number one pick. I really said, like, it, for the first time, it really feels like Orlando controls its destiny. It, like, they can shape the team the way they want to shape it. And so, the more you study all three of these guys, Jabari Smith Jr. of Auburn, Chet Holmgren of Gonzaga, Paolo Bancaro of Duke, there are good arguments for all three to be the number one pick. Um, there, there is not a wrong choice here. They're all going. They're all going to be solid players. There are certainly weaknesses to all three, and, and and reasons why not to draft them. But there's plenty of reasons to draft them as well. And so, 
I think it's really important because we're facing with the decision where we're really splitting hairs. You know, your argument is as good as my argument. I, I've had this, you know, I'm in a Twitter thread right now with people talking about Holmgren and, you know, there are people arguing against him. There are people arguing for them. And I'm just like, you're both right. I mean, it's just at, at the end of the day, we're, we're splitting some very fine hairs about, about things. And so what I wanted to do and what I wanted to think about is let's reframe that conversation. If all three of these players are super, super close, the real question that I think Jeff Weltman and his staff are asking themselves as they prepare to make this decision is, what do we want our team to be? Like, ultimately, when we're in the playoffs, when we're competing for championships, what kind of team are we that's doing it? What kind of team are we that's doing it? And and, and I think reframing the question that way will enable us to think about these prospects in different ways. Think about them in, okay... You know, Jabari Smith is a shooter. He's, you know, an efficient dribbler. He may not be able to get to the basket so efficiently, but he's going to open up avenues elsewhere on the floor. Paolo Bancaro is your traditional kind of ISO score. I, I, you know, I kind of compare him a little bit to Carmelo Anthony. He's not as good of a scorer as Carmelo Anthony was in college, obviously. Um, but I compare him to that kind of style where you're going to give him the ball on the block, on the mid post. He's going to be able to create a little bit for others. He's going to be able to score in isolation. That's a distinct style of play. And obviously, Chet Holmgren is super unique with his size and his ability to work off the dribble, his ability to shoot from the outside, that that opens up different avenues too. And so, to me, the question isn't necessarily which player do you pick, it's who do you want this team to be at the end of the day? You know, I think one of the criticisms that a lot of us have of Rob Hennigan in the first rebuild that this Magic team went in after Dwight Howard left was he just seemed to be collecting talent and the team didn't really have kind of a cogent vision. It, I think it's really important, even with this first pick, have a vision of what this team's ultimately going to be. And, and so with that in mind, I think that it's it's good to frame the question of, okay, we have these three prospects that are all really good, all very, very similar. What is our team actually going to look like? What do, we, what do we want our team to look like? We have the power to kind of shape the team that way. So why not you why not think about and use that power now? And I think that reframing that question is is really important as you're making a decision like this. Now you go on uh, in the article. You know we start to talk about how you know uh, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report you know reports that Bancaro is at this time not under consideration for the first pick. Um, and you write that it does not appear that Bancaro will even make his way to Orlando for a workout at this point. So we had Jabari in Orlando last Thursday. It seems like by all accounts, we're going to have Chet, you know, sometime this week in Orlando. What, what do you think it is about Paolo that he has kind of fallen out of consideration with the magic for the first pick? Now we don't have that confirmed, but without reports of Paolo coming to Orlando, kind of the writing is on the wall, right? Uh, I think a little bit, and 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 look, I was very hard on the Paolo train pre-lottery. Um, you know, I, again, I still think Paolo's a very good, good player. Um, you know, again, it's not confirmed confirmed publicly, at least whether Paolo will be in Orlando or not um, before the before the draft. Um, so we we don't we don't know fully what what the scope is uh, on on that. Um, but uh, but you know, I, I think. I think in that article, I come across as the most certain that the Magic don't want to be a Paolo Bancaro team, right. um, if, if that makes sense. You know, I kind of I kind of describe Paolo Bancaro as, as a Carmelo Anthony type. You know, you give him the ball in the mid post, he's going to isolate. He's going to be able to get his shot off. He's going to be able to create create some space for himself. 
I think he's a better passer than he gets credit for. Um, credit for. So I think you can work him a little bit in pick and rolls. I think you, you can certainly work him as a screener. Um, but I just think at the end of the day, even though Paolo is probably the best pure kind of score in this draft, I don't think he's the player that you necessarily build a championship team around. Or at the very least, he's the he's a player that forces you to change the makeup of this team in a very significant way, I feel like. Um, I just think, like, if this were the mid-2000s, Paolo Bancaro is the number one pick, and you don't think twice about it. That He's he's that style of player, but I just don't think that's the style that necessarily wins in the NBA today. Now, having said that, Jason Tatum played very much the same way at Duke. I was low on Jason Tatum in that draft. That's a mistake I don't plan on making again, um, but... But by the same token, I think that ice, that heavy isolation style that that Paolo seems to favor, that that seems to make Paolo Bancaro successful, I don't think that's the style that the Magic want to play. Um, and, and I just, I don't know if that's a style that's necessarily successful in the league anymore. So as you're thinking again about this bigger picture of what the Magic want to be, what kind of team they want to be, I, I don't think that's the vision that Jeff Weltman has, and I think that's why Bancaro's kind of fallen off the map a little bit. Um, at least in my perception of things. How much of, of the thinking that, you know, you have guys like Markel Fultz on the roster, you have guys like Franz Wagner, who showed a lot of promise, obviously, in his rookie year. If you bring Paolo in, he is pretty much the kind of guy that you have to focus the offense around. How much do you think the current roster construction might go into the thinking with the magic and, and not selecting Paolo? I think a little bit. Um, you know, again, I, I think I've been in this argument with people too over the last 24, 36, 48 hours. Um, it's, you know, the, this team is a 22-win team. And, and I know some people hate me for saying that um, because, yes, injuries played a major role. Um, you know, that obviously they didn't have Markel Fultz for a good chunk of the season. Jalen Suggs was out for good chunks of the season. Like, I, I'm not I'm not here to dispute the reasons why the Magic were probably better than their record. Um, but at the end of the day, this was the second worst team in the league. They're, there's a reason they're drafting first, and they, you know, were a, you're one of the favorites to be a top four pick. Um, it's it, this team needs a lot, um, and it's not to say that I think that the Magic should uh, be it should ignore what they have on the roster already. Um, but I don't think they should feel like it's so written in stone that they can't shift if they need to. Now, obviously, they made a pretty sizable financial investment in Markel Fultz. You know, I think he has a, a, a non-guarantee on that third year. Um, so, getting you know, if, if the Magic want, Magic aren't confident in Fultz or, you know, they want to take a guy like Bancaro who doesn't fit with Fultz, they can get out of that pretty quickly. Um, you know, again, this, there's this kind of the same issue with Jonathan Isaac that with his contracts now becoming non-guaranteed. Um, you know, they, they can make guys fit around them. And again, if, if a player is good enough, you know, if a player develops and shows that he's good enough, you can make a roster work. It's, it's, it's not so difficult to make trades to kind of begin consolidating guys. And, and I think we all kind of sense that's that's kind of the next stage of this magic roster development is, okay, pick the guys you want to build around and then start building a roster around them. Um, I think the magic are still in that picking those players phase. So I don't think they should feel like anyone is written in pen. The only guy I think that's written in pen is probably Franz Wagner and probably the guy they're about to pick. Um, you know, obviously, Wendell Carter just signed an extension. Um so he, he's probably pretty high on that list too. If, if he's not in pencil, that that eraser has got to be really good to, to to get him off the sheet. Um, but but I, I don't I don't think the Magic should be married to anyone on the roster fully. You know, maybe they maybe they've got the engagement ring. Maybe they're starting to plan the wedding. 
But I, I, I don't think we're quite moved in and sharing bank accounts quite yet because, again, this is a 22-win team at the end of the day. There's still a lot of work to do to get the Magic where we're, where we're talking about eventually competing in for the playoffs. And again, again, I'm also saying it this way too. This team is talented enough that the right guy comes in, they they are a play-in tournament team or they can qualify for the play-in tournament. It's not that big of a leap. It's not a humongous leap. It's, it's a wide gap. It's it, I'm not betting on it happening, but it's not the biggest leap in the world for them to make that jump um, to, to get theirs. Scott Skiles Scott had, has one of my favorite quotes that I've ever gotten uh, as a coach. Um, it's easy to go from 25 to 35 wins. Getting from 35 to 50 is significantly harder. Right. Going back to the point about Paolo really not being in consideration at number one, and although again we don't have anything confirmed, but it so far we don't have anything. The the uh, the, the the gambling odds would suggest that that he has fallen correct. off the off the that, off the off the pace. That is correct. If, if, and, let's use that analogy. And, and the Chet and Jabari race seems to tighten by the hour, which is really interesting. Uh, the Magic obviously they've had a ton of prospects in either you know confirmed or guys posting on Instagram things like that. Jeff and John have really always been in the business of even if you're not considering taking a guy, you get him in the building and just get as much information on them as you can. Why do you think that even if if Paolo's not in consideration at number one, you don't have him in the building to at least get a look at him and talk to him a bit more? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think... I, I will admit this. Part of what I wrote there was a little bit of assumption, which I probably should not have done. Um, you know, again... Yeah, when we, you know, I, I, the Magic don't leak anything. So, right. uh, I, you know, I, I make this point a lot about the Magic and their their public relations strategy, which is fine. I don't think they should leak things. I don't think they should leak things, but it you do have benefit to be prepared them at all for. Too. It doesn't benefit them. You know, again, it, I think there's some privacy. There's there's some respect for for the people they're dealing with. You know, they everything that gets leaked is usually strategic. Uh, from everything I understand about the way Jeff Weltman and John Hammond operate, is they're very much like we're going to respect you enough to you know, to, to handle you as a person. We're not using you as bait for anything. Like they're not going to put some information out there that could get someone else moving or get other people talking. Now, having said that, the downside of this public relations strategy is, you know, yes, you might build trust with agents. You might build a little bit of trust that, that private negotiations stay private, that you're, you're going to treat the other, the other parties with respect. But the downside of this is there's a little bit of an information vacuum. And especially in today's information age, People want to fill that vacuum, so you know I'll I'll take I'll take some heat for maybe making an assumption that I shouldn't have. You know, at that point hey, when I wrote the article, we do it all the time. We do it all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, at, at that point when I wrote the article, you know, we we'd heard reports that Chet was going to be in town. Um, it was I, I think I published that article what Monday or Tuesday. Um, we hadn't gotten any notice that that these guys were going to be in ta- were going to be in town. We didn't know we don't we we didn't know when that Chet workout was or was going to be. Um, and so, you know, I kind of said, well, I'm looking at the calendar, time's running out. If Paolo's coming in, it's got to be pretty, pretty soon. And I'm sure they want to give Chet the kind of full court blitz, you know, maybe a multi-day interview and overnight, you know, they could bring him in, have dinner with it. You know, I, I've heard in the past, the Magic have had dinner with with high-level prospects, you know, go to a nice downtown restaurant, give them a tour of the facility. They come back in the morning, do their workout, all all that all that stuff. Um, you know, these these get to be pretty, and especially with these high draft picks, they get to be pretty involved. And so, it it it, it felt it was it looked like time was running low because I think I think that Monday, um, you know, Jeff Waldman I think is going to be made available to the media on Monday to kind of re, to kind of prepare for the draft. That last week they don't do draft right. workouts. That last week is all 
in the war room, you know, talking things out, setting up their big boards, doing mock drafts. Yes, they do. I, I believe front offices do mock drafts as well. Going through scenarios, going through trade things. The prospects themselves, they go to, they they spend a good chunk of the week in New York. Um, they get, they take care, they they have media responsibilities elsewhere, elsewhere too. Um, so it's there's a there. there it, it felt like time was running out if they were going to bring him in. That that that's kind of what that was saying more than anything else. There's there's nothing confirmed one way. Or the other, yeah, one and way just or the other. kind of the way you know, I, I was almost surprised that the magic formally announced they had worked out Jabari Smith. I, I thought we would go through this entire process really not knowing who was worked out in that top three or kind of which way they were leaning. We still don't know which way they're leaning, but you're 100% right. We are, we're running out of time. Like if Chet works out, you know, tomorrow or the next day, which is Thursday, Friday, then maybe you've got Saturday or Sunday to work out Paolo. They're not going to bring in anyone to work out the last week of the draft, especially not a guy that's slated to go in the top three of the draft. Maybe it would be like a guy that's hoping to work his way into the first round or a guy that might be slated in the second round, but you're not going to bring in a, a highly touted prospect two or three days before the draft. That's just not going to happen. So I'm interested to see kind of how they go about that. If we do get an official announcement from the Magic that they worked out Chet or Paolo, and then what that workout looks like, because the the rumors, and I think you can probably speak to this better than I can, is that Jabari's workout lasted close to two hours which is not necessarily typical so if we get a chet workout that's 45 minutes or an hour or it goes let's say three hours then again we start to <laughs> fill that information vacuum with all right now what is a lot that of information mean? vacuum yeah uh, did, did that two um, hour yeah. workout mean anything to you uh no um honestly uh, it it me you know some of the things that I've started to hear about about not that workout, but about a Jabari Smith, um, right. makes me suggest that uh, makes me think, okay, maybe that maybe that that gap that time meant something. Um, we in the media have a little bit of a joke about the Magic. This is not to hate on the Magic; they do their best. You know, all the love to to Joel Glass and his crew. Um, we do joke that that you're running on Magic time yeah. uh, when they post a time of when practice is going to be available. Like Stan Van Gundy was really bad about this when when. He posted a practice time. Uh, it was an hour after pra- after that time that, that the Magic were done with practice. Um, they tried doing availability before practice under Jacques Vaughn to try and like say, hey, we're going to be better about being on time. But everyone hated that because, well, what if someone gets injured during practice? Right. And we've talked to them before. You know, that, that, that doesn't help us either. Um, so, it, look, it, it, was, it was long. Um, no doubt about that. Certainly a bit of a surprise at how long it took to... To, from the from the time that that we were told as the media that Jabari Smith would be available um, to, to to get there, um, but it, it wasn't like so like abnormal or so like out of the ordinary. Again, I've heard nothing. I've personally heard nothing out of that individual workout to suggest it was good or bad. Um, right. I don't think it means anything. Um, there's been a few podcasts. Um, I think the mismatch talked a little yeah, bit about Jabari funny. Smith yeah. Jr. and his work ethic. Um, I've, you know, I've talked to some, some people who, who follow Auburn pretty closely, who all say like, this kid just wants to work. This kid just wants to want, he, this kid was, you know, this kid had to convince Auburn to open up the gym earlier for him so he could get, he could get in and get shots up. Um, you know, from, from everything I, I, I understand about this kid, um, he just, he just wants to work and he, he will just keep going if you, if you don't stop him. And that, that may be what happened at, at the end of the day, but I, who knows, you know, who knows? 
Yeah, it, it's going to be, again, it's going to be interesting to see if we do get an announcement about Chet Holmgren. You know, there's this running joke that it seems like the Magic never end up with the guys that they work out. You know, you go back to like a Trey Young, even, you know, a Wendell Carter Jr., who we now have. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. And I know we made a reference to this a few minutes ago, but the Vegas, the betting odds between Jabari and Chet are, are really starting to tighten. Even Paolo, who was at, was at like a plus 2,500, is now close to like plus 1,500. Um, what, if anything, do you make of that, specifically in regards to Jabari and Chet? You know, I think some of it is is boredom. Um, you know, I think we see, <laughs> I think we see, no, no, like seriously, like, like we yeah. see this, you know, we see this even in drafts where it's like clear who the number one option is. Like there'll be a certain point in the pre-draft process where they're like, huh, you know, maybe Jalen Green should go number one. Why not put Jalen Green number one? Why aren't, why isn't Detroit like, de- like thinking about Jalen Green at number one? I, I, I think some of it is just a little bit of boredom. You know, like I, I think, you know, not that this is an easy choice, not that this is, uh, not that this is a particularly runaway draft. Um, this is a narrow choice. There are, there, this is a this is a real difficult choice, I think, for for the Orlando Magic to make this pick um, between you know three guys. Who knows? Maybe even more. Um, but I, I think that there's always a bit of you know a with betters. It's oh Chet. See you know I you know there's still you know if it's a fifty fifty shot or whatever it is that they'll pick Chet and Chet's going at these really good odds. Why not? Why not put a few bucks on it to say it and cover yourself with Jabari? I mean, just just the way gambling works. Like there reaches a certain point where the, the the value of taking a bet that may or may not hit becomes worth it worth it to to, to, to gamblers and that that moves the number back down if people are putting money on people are putting money on that um again it, it's who's to say I mean I think we see this when in, when people gamble on politics I think we see this everywhere where you know someone's a favorite for a long time people kind of get bored with that notion and start thinking like, well, what about these other options? Why, why not? Why not take a look a little bit closer to look at them and, 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 you know, again, with betting, put some money down on them. You make a good point, and some of our listeners might not understand that, but Vegas is influenced by the amount of money and the amount of bets that are being placed on a particular player or outcome. So the more money that comes in on Chet, Vegas is going to start to lower the odds uh, kind of in, in his favor as well. So like you said, it's most likely nothing. Uh, but I can't let you leave without asking, how are you feeling today? I know we've had the conversation a couple of times, but you're in that that seat. Who are you taking today and why? You know, the more, again, this is not a knock on, on anyone else or anyone who feels like they should pick someone else. Again, there's really good arguments. I I was on the Paolo train for a long, long time. Uh, but the more I watch Jabari Smith Jr., uh, you know, the more I, I, the more I think that he has it. Um, the more I think that a he gives the magic the most, and you know, gives the magic a lot immediately, but could give the magic a lot down the road too. Um, you know, just just watching him play, he's so efficient with his dribbles. Um, you know, again, he obviously does it still needs to improve getting to and finishing at the basket uh, off the dribble. Um, you know, I, I won't deny that those isolation skills are, are things that he really needs to improve on, but. He was, he's so efficient at just two dribble pull up or two dribble, it's not there, pass it back out. Um, you know, that's, that's something we love about Franz Wagner. Um, this is a, a Franz Wagner who, you know, a Franz Wagner type, a Franz Wagner mentality, except he is probably a much better shooter, um, you know, much uh, as versatile as a defender. Um, you know, he kind of does a lot of what Franz Wagner does, plus, plus, you know, like Franz Wagner, I think he can continue to get better be a little bit more aggressive, look for his own shot, get to the basket. 
a, a lot more. The more I watch him play, the more I watch tape on him, the more I'm convinced that like this guy has all the ingredients. Um, and, and I think the interview process was really important for him. And and there are a few things that I noticed about his interview with the media. I did feel like he was a little bit nervous. He said it was his first workout. He's only had two workouts. He's probably his agent's probably pretty sure he's going to go in the top two. Um, you know, he felt a little bit nervous in that big setting. But the one place is that the one place that he always seemed really sure were, were two things, and there are two things I think the Magic were really happy to hear. One, I will do whatever it takes to help this team win, whether it's scoring thirty, whether it's scoring ten. I want to help my team win. You know, again, obviously you say the right things, but that that but he, he there was definitely a change in tenor when he was asked those kinds of questions to say like I'm I'm for certain about this, uh, and it also felt like he was very very certain that he's going to be very good, um, and that he's going to put the work in to to be very very good, and, and those were all really good things to hear um, because you know again I, I think that he can get he can give a lot, um, and you know I, I know some people might kill me for this comparison, but like. I think that he could be Chris Middleton or he could be Jason Tatum. Um, you know, if if he becomes, you know, right now, like his, right now, if he doesn't change a single thing about the way he plays, his ceiling is probably Chris Middleton. Um, I've compared him a lot to Rashard Lewis. That's kind of been the comparison that I've given for him. And I've said, you know, do you build a team around Rashard Lewis? And the answer to that is probably no, but Rashard Lewis is still a two-time All-Star, redefined the power forward position. Like this is kind of Rashard Lewis evolved in a lot of ways. Um He's got Richard's Seattle athleticism with with his or with his Orlando shooting, which is a really really scary player. But I also think that Jabari can be Jason Tatum, and and the difference between those two players is just an aggressive mindset. Um, and, and I think that's gonna, and I think personality wise, I think you might have to coax it out of him a little bit. But if you can get it out of him, he's already such a smart basketball player. He's already so efficient and smart. You know, he only has to add. Uh, you know, a few drives per game, a few times getting to the foul line, and he's averaging you know twenty five a game, or he's or or because he because he can be a, a spacer too. I mean, you know, not to not to say that he's going to be Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant is very much the similar kind of player. You know, two dribble pull ups at the elbow. You know, he gets to the basket occasionally, but he's not constantly. You know, he, he's not constantly getting the basket. He hits his spot up threes. He gets his points in a variety of different ways. And like we said earlier. It's about the team the Magic want to be. The Magic want to be a versatile defensive team. That's that's a big, big thing. They want to be a team that shoots threes. They want to be a team that plays smart and moves the ball. To me, like Jabari, the more I watch Jabari Smith, the more I see all the things that Jamal Mosley's talked about and, and the way the Magic want to play. There are things he has to improve on. I, I think Paolo Bancaro is probably going to be rookie of the year at the end of the day, but to me, like Jabari Smith, he's he can be, he can be really like not just special, but really special, uh, and really whether he that he's going to be that is going to be really up to him in a lot of ways, and 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 I'm sure that was something that 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 the guy that the team was trying to figure out in that interview and in that workout is is like how special is this kid going to be? How special does this kid want to be? And if he answered those questions well, then I think he's a, I think he's the pick. He's the pick. And back to your point about KD, you know, KD's got a pretty lethal turnaround jumper. And Jabari already has that to a certain extent. Uh, now, without kind of denigrating Chet, you know, there are people that are on the Chet train. There are some people that are on the anyone but Chet train. Uh, what <laughs> is it about Chet that he doesn't hasn't sold you on being the number one pick? Yeah, I think a lot of it. Is, I hate to say it, a lot of it is the frame. Um, you know, a lot. I, I think that he, I think that he is, wants to be aggressive. Is not afraid to be physical. Um, you know, people who say he's Mo Bamba, 
I, I, I disagree with that wholly. Um, yeah. like, like, no offense to Mo, but like, we've watched Mo for four years. He does not roll to the basket at all. Like, you could probably count the number of rolls he had on two hands. Uh, you know, maybe you need a foot, um, at least last year. Um, he's popping to the three point line. He's avoiding contact defensively. He's just kind of drifting around a little bit. Um, again, there's just, there's just an awareness issue. I think that that was a big big deal for Mo, and I think a lot of it's just overthinking, uh, overthinking with him, and just you know some of that you could get away with experience. But there are some rough moments from Obama this year. Um, Chet Holmgren is not afraid to take a hit. He's not afraid to body someone up. He may not be able to move someone off the block, but he's not afraid to to throw his weight around. But you know, again, like I said, I think it's what kind of team do you want to be? What kind of team is this Magic team trying to be? Uh, and I, I do think that, you know, Chet is unique, a really unique player, but I don't think he is so unique or so certain to hit that you scrap what you're doing and and build around him and build around his strength, build around build around his strengths. Um, I think at the end of the day, you're always going to need a, a, a center next to him, another tall player next to him, to handle those those bigger centers. I mean, at the end of the day, you're trying to win a championship. You know, yes, he's not going to be defending Joel Embiid every night or have to play Joel Embiid every night, but you get to the Eastern Conference Finals, Joel Embiid's going to be sitting there waiting for you. You know, Bam Adebayo is going to be sitting there waiting for you. Those guys are going to drive their their shoulder into your chest and and test you physically every single time. And um, you know, I don't think again, I I think Chet is up to the challenge, but Am I willing to invest this really, really, really high piece of real estate on it? Um, I, I, I just think that's a that's that's too risky for my taste. I understand people who really like him. Um, I, I, I think there's there are not seven footers that move that fluidly, and I don't think we saw everything he could do at Gonzaga. Um, you know, if he comes in for an interview, when he comes in for an interview, he's gonna have to answer those questions. He's gonna have to really blow. I think he's gonna have to really blow people away in the workout. I love how confident he is. I love that he thinks. I love that he thinks he's the best player. And honestly, if if you know, there's a there's Victor Wembanyama's coming next year. Um, if he were Victor Wembanyama, this draft wouldn't be close. We'd right. be picking Chet Holmgren. We, you know, if Victor Wembanyama was were in this draft, I'm taking Victor Wembanyama, and I don't think twice about it. Um, but that's the issue: is Chet Holmgren has enough of these question marks to make me say. Again, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to invest a, a really high piece of real estate. You know, I hate to say that you want to cover yourself a little bit with the first pick. You should take a big swing with the first pick, but you know, you need to get some. You need to make sure you get something out of this out of this pick. Um, you, you can't be back in this position again next year or, or a few years down the road. Yeah, you brought up a, a good point, and I want to kind of leave you with this last question here. Uh, you mentioned Mo Bamba, right, and kind of the the role that he played this year and just some of his shortcomings. When that, you know, Cole, Jalen, Franz, Mo Bamba, um, Wendell Carter lineup was healthy, it was one of the, the better lineups in the league, you know, at least at the, the beginning part of the season. What do you think about, you know, Chet kind of stepping into that Mo Bamba role next to Wendell Carter and just kind of magnifying all the things that Mo Bamba does really well? Chet Holmgren, you know, in terms of a, a rim protector, I think is going to be even better than Mo Bamba probably just as good of a shooter, if not better of a shooter than Mo Bamba right now. I definitely get the concern with the frame and, and Chet, you know, playing with some of the, the bigger lineups, but I almost feel like Wendell Carter is kind of the, the perfect type of player to play alongside uh, Chet Holmgren in the backcourt. Yeah, I, I, court, I agree rather. completely with that. They're not I, guards. I Sorry about that. that. They're not guards. Maybe they are. Who knows? It's, there's no, it's positionless basketball. Chet might be basketball. a guard. Who knows? 
Right. <laughs> it's positionless basketball, man. Um, no, I, I actually 100% agree with that. Um, if the Magic do draft Chet Holmgren, I think they are positioned to ease his transition better than almost any team because of that. Um, I joked about this late in the season, uh, but I don't think it's a 100%. I don't think it, there's, I don't think there's, it lacks a kernel of truth. I think the Magic played Mobamba and Window Carter together as sort of a proof of concept to see if, to think about whether Chet would, would work. Because, you know, Chet's been on the radar for a while now. Um, you know, he entered the year as the top prospect on a lot of boards. You know, there, 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 there are all these questions beforehand, but, you know, Chet still stayed in that top group the entire year. You know, Jabari Smith rose into that group. Paolo Bancaro rose into that group. Chet's always been there. So it's it's not like he's some prospect that people haven't known about. So I do think that Orlando is situated really well for Chet to be successful early in his career. Um, he won't have to guard Joel Embiid right off the bat. Again, there's only so many Joel Embiid's, but he won't have to deal with that right off the bat. Um, when and, and, and that was really successful. Wendell Carter was pretty decent on Joel Embiid when he guarded him, actually. Um, uh, you know, the, the 50-point game, that was, I think Wendell was out that game. I think that was a, a Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba Joel Embiid one-on-one matchup. Um, you know, it... it I, I think that, you know, allowing Chet to have a little freedom to roam and block shots the way that the Magic let Mo Bamba do last year, that's going to highlight his shot blocking while hiding, you know, his ability to kind of guard the paint and and, def- and defend close to the paint. And again, he's not afraid to take that bump. He's not afraid afraid to do any of those things. So, you know, I, I do think Orlando, if if Chet Holmgren's the pick, Orlando is is ready to make him successful. And, and, and that honestly, that's what's exciting about this roster is, you know, we I talked about you know what kind of team the Magic want to be. That the the roster they have right now is situated well for pretty much anyone they grab at this point. So you know, again, you'll have to move some pieces around. You'll have to continue to find ways to get better. You know, does Markel Fultz work with a kind of more ball dominant guy like Paolo? Like Paolo? You know, the, the, those are all fair questions to ask and questions that you figure out. But you know, I do think Orlando is situated really, really well for all three of these guys to find success and find success pretty quickly. As always, Philip, love the insight. Appreciate you taking the time to join the show. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can find your work? Yeah, um, obviously the, the best place to find my work is at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at omagicdaily. Uh, we're still doing a lot of draft recaps. I'm going to be doing one more mock draft probably early next week. There's there's a lot going on, um, and those take a lot of time to write and work on. Um, but we'll be we'll be having lots of draft coverage. Um, you can also listen to my podcast at lock, uh, on Locked on Magic. Um, you can download that wherever you download podcasts and follow me on Twitter as well at Philip RR underscore OMD. That's Philip with one L RR underscore OMD. Just another week, Philip, until we can answer some of these questions and really start to break down what this magic roster is going to look like again. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me on as always, man. And thanks for all that you do with the, with the magic fan community. Same here, man. We got to keep it going. You know, my, I asked my wife, you know, when we were starting to do the, the draft lottery party, like, uh, maybe people aren't going to want to do it because it didn't go well last year. It ended up going great. But I was like, if we don't do it, who will? You know, if we don't step up and, and yeah. do it, who's going to get the Magic fans together? And that's really what it's all about at the end of the day. So really appreciate the kind words. And we're just going to keep this going. And, you know, in a few years, we'll be able to look back and be like, you know what? We were at the beginning of all this stuff. And we'll have tons of bandwagon it, fans and everything it, like it, that. By in, a f- in a few years, we'll be hosting a Game 3 watch party because Games 1 and 2 would yes. have been at the Amway Center. That's right, baby. Of the NBA Finals. Of the NBA Finals. Of the NBA Finals, of course. Perfect. All right. Well, for Philip Rossman-Reich, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show. We will catch you guys next time. See ya. 
Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.